<laughs> so good. What's going on, everybody? Sorry I missed last week with Lifestyle Medicine. I've been on a pretty good schedule for the last year, but the holidays, life, things happen where sometimes we just, we miss, uh, we miss our schedule. So I didn't get an episode out. I'm going to do my best to release two this week to sort of make up for the missing one last week. And, um, the, the thing that I'm going to talk about today is actually kind of in the, the realm of the psychedelic realm, but specifically it's around something called ego death. And this was, this was actually a request. This was sort of, um, which I think might be kind of a cool platform piece for lifestyle medicine, which is, if you guys have questions, if you guys have things that you would like me to look at through the lens of Chinese medicine for what it's worth, I'm happy to, <coughs> excuse me, take questions and field some of those. So um, this one, this, this this talk, this episode is going to be just about that. Someone, um, one of my clients actually approached me about the whole ego death topic. And before we even get into this, I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, up front because I always like to, you know, it's sort of like a disclaimer is that you know, I don't have a medical background, so I'm not offering up medical advice. I'm not saying anyone should or shouldn't do psychedelics. That's not what this is. And moreover, I don't have a background in neurology. You know, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have um, a background in these things specifically. So you have to take with take what I say with a grain of salt. What I'm sharing with you guys and what I'm trying to convey is simply my experience. And that's where I like to stay and that's where I like to operate from. And where my developing expertise is, is in the field of Chinese medicine. And even within that, um, you know, my expertise at this stage in my life is not about acupuncture and herbs. It's more about the lifestyle pieces, what they call yang sheng in Chinese medicine, which is basically what that means is nourishing life. That's what, that's what yang sheng means. So that's kind of my specialty is where I, where I come from and what I look at. So that being said, let's talk about ego death a little bit and let's talk about what that means in the context of psychedelics and the I think what I call the pitfalls of that idea so I think and this is what I've seen this is again just personal experience what I've seen sort of in the new age community and what I've seen in what you would call the spiritual circles and people that are into this kind of thing and that are discoursing and talking about ego death there seems to be a, a whole demographic of people that are hell-bent on destroying, killing, or taking out or removing the ego from themselves. And part of this, I think, happens naturally. There's, there's, there's a, I think, a little bit of confusion. Again, it's just my opinion. There's a little bit of confusion around this because in higher doses, of psychedelic states, people experience what they call ego death, which is essentially where people start to feel their identity or personality dissolving away or blending into the space around them where I had, I had a friend of mine once say that he could no longer distinguish where the air began and his body ended, where the skin met the air, that membrane disappeared and it just felt like his his consciousness, his body, everything was permeating through the air and his skin was completely permeable. And that kind of spun him into a, what they call an, an ego death trip where he dissociated from his personality. And this freaks a lot of people out. And understandably so. I, I think that idea of losing personal awareness, autonomy, 
and identity is is freaky for the for most people. I think that's pretty reasonable, myself included. And what I'm seeing and what I've seen in people that are partaking in psychedelics and then they go down this road is that people again are saying, you know, the goal, you know, in a psychedelic trip for one is to have to experience ego death. A lot of people push that and say that that's the front line. You have to you have to have ego death to get anything of value, which I don't think is true at all. And two, there's this idea that once you're out of the trip, this idea of ego death that has been talked about in the psychedelic terms, there are a lot of people who once they're out of the psychedelic journey, who kind of come into life, they, they're coming into their everyday activities and the rhetoric that they're sharing with people that maybe they're teaching and whatnot is that the goal is to kill off your ego. Personally, again, just my opinion, I could not disagree with this more. And that's not to say that the people that are striving for that are wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I just disagree with it fundamentally at a personal level. And, and there's a few different reasons why. You know, if, if we look at the body um, and we look at it through the lens of Chinese medicine, we have the material essence, what they call Jing. We have the daily energy we use, what they call the, the vital energy, Qi. And then we have Shen, consciousness, spirit. Now, where does ego fall into that? Hard to say. I think ego and self-awareness and identity and all those things sort of fit into all three of those strata. Because, you know, our physical body pertains to our identity. How our energy moves, how much of it we have pertains to our identity. And then our personality, the immaterial emotions and the consciousness that we experience all tie to ego. So I think all three layers can plug into ego. But the idea that I think is really critical and, and one to embrace in the context of this stuff is to think about this. The ego is functional. It's absolutely functional. It's a necessary piece to operate in what we call the 3D reality. To have a self-identity, to identify with the ego sometimes, and to realize that you're gonna need that tool to navigate this crazy world. It's absolutely a piece. It's absolutely a, a critical part of who we are. And I think there's sort of, um, at least for me, there's sort of a diseased thinking in this idea that we have to kill off our ego completely. I think it's great to lose connection with the ego sometimes, intermittently, have it come and go. If we have moments or we have periods or we take a journey where we lose contact with the ego, I think that's great to feel that. But to kill it off completely, I think the thinking is diseased a little bit. And I mean that in the sense of diseased, right? There's um, lack of ease, lack of, lack of flow and understanding uh, and acceptance that we, <laughs> we're imperfect. And the ego is often a big piece of that. It's a huge piece of why we don't navigate a lot of things well. We may get really angry with um, a loved one or a friend. We may say something in haste that we really wish we hadn't said. And a lot of those things do come from the ego. It's from the, the emotions that we have that are, we haven't dealt with. We, we don't know how to process yet. And when that happens, yes, you can say, well, it's the ego's fault, right? That's, that's, that's the baseline where people often come. They say the ego is, that's, that's the danger of the ego and why it needs to be killed off. And it's like, boy, for me, that doesn't work. And it doesn't work primarily because it's a part of us. And it's an imperfect part of ourselves. 
And that is a really critical juncture, I think, in our understanding of this kind of stuff, is to realize that we are fully imperfect. We all are shitheads sometimes. We all say stupid things sometimes. We all shy away from the moves that we should make sometimes. We all have these shitty streaks that come. And to to look at those parts of ourselves as pieces of garbage or pieces of shit that need to be killed off, I don't think is a sustainable solution in the in the long run. In the long in the big scheme of life to, to say that we have to kill off that part of ourselves and that it's something to be destroyed just doesn't make fundamentally a lot of sense to me. Again, the idea of that happening intermittently, I think is has tremendous value. That's where I think there's a lot of worth and there's a lot of grace in intermittently losing contact with our ego. Now that can come through uh, flow states, you know, doing artwork or doing something athletic or, you know, in a state of meditation or a psychedelic journey where we disconnect for a little while. And I think this is the idea that we want to think about. It's sort of like fasting, which I'm, which if you guys have been following me on social media a little bit, I'm currently in the middle of a 96 hour fast. I'm about 40, I guess, 42 hours in more, more or less. I finish Thursday night. If I'm, if I'm feeling just kick ass, I'm going to go till Friday night, but 96 hours is the mark I'm doing right now. And when we when you do fasting the idea is you remove food for a period of time and when you remove it for a period of time it reestablishes your relationship with food in a bunch of different ways your mind gets to reset your body goes through autophagy the mitochondria in your in your body uh, repair we have anti-inflammatory effects there's all these really amazing things metabolic shifts that happen when we when we fast but if we were to never eat food again and to shun food and say it's the devil and to say that it's just we can't have it at all ever, well, we would know that that's, you know, that's not sustainable. That's not a realistic outcome. It's the intermittent disconnection from these things that's very good for us. It's, it's the break in rhythm that allows the insight. And I think this also kind of leads us into the, the basic yin-yang theory that comes out of Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine has the yin-yang symbol, which you've all seen, which is the, you know, the, the circular black and white symbol that has a, a, um, a white section and a black section. And within the white, there's a speck of black. And then within the black, there's a speck of white. And that symbol is incredibly deep for one, but it has at its infrastructure, at, at its simplest, most baseline approach is that we live in a world of opposition and duality. And ultimately they're one and the same thing but to ignore that there are some opposites, that there are some polarities in life. There are male and female. There is day and night. There's alpha and omega. There's fire and water, hard and soft, birth and death. To, to acknowledge that and say, yeah, those things are part of this world, even if it is illusory, right? It's the touching of both. You can't kill off yin, right? Technically, yin is technically you know by standards yin is aligned with death things are slowing down it's you know total stillness and when we are fully still you know that's where yin and yang separates in theory but the basic idea is though you can't kill off one part of the spectrum because you've deemed it unworthy and, and you just you know it's a knee-jerk response to say that it's just we have to get rid of it 
I don't think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that when we look at the, the ego death concept in relation to this stuff, it's the same thing. You want to fast from your ego. You, you want to intermittently fast. You want to be able to find ways to disconnect from the ego, for sure. And there are lots of different ways to do that. Right? I'm not going to get into to the, to the plethora of methods that you could do, but yes, meditation, mind-body, psychedelics, flow states. There are lots of ways we can get into dissociation from the ego, and that's really good because to reframe our understanding of what our ego is, I think is, is always a great thing. Right? It's, it's really critically important. But going back to that yin-yang idea, if we can look at the yin-yang theory, part of what that theory states is that we have to touch the opposites and we have to disconnect from one or the other at times to have relation and have an understanding of the opposites. So the basic one is this, you know, without, without day and night, we wouldn't really understand either one. It's the comparison. It's being in the day with the heat and the sun to where we feel the opposition of night and what that carries and how our bodies shift and why we want to sleep. There are some things that are very different about night and day. And if we didn't have the capacity to touch those opposites, we really wouldn't understand polarity. We wouldn't understand opposition. If, there, if no one ever died, people were only born and they just lived forever, I mean, that cycle is, I mean, you know, at least in, in the mythology sense, right, is like a curse. Who wants to live forever? We, you know, we, we, do we want to stay in this flesh suit forever and be bound to this thing forever? I think most people would say, no, I want to be in and out. Life's hard. <laughs> life, life is, you know, fucking difficult, straight up. Like, it's not easy. And that's kind of the idea, I think, when we think about the psychedelic journey, when we do this and people are saying, you know, like, You've got to have ego death to get value. Again, I, like I said in the beginning, that's not true in my book. And two, when you come out of the psychedelic journey, if you have adopted that idea that in your waking life, you need to kill off your ego, that it needs to die, that it's something to be suppressed, taken away, or annihilated, I think that's often, you know, as above, so below, and what happens on the inside happens on the outside. I think to destroy a part of ourselves that is naturally wired and that is a part of us, I think has, you know, disaster written all over it personally. And the people that I see that are, this is again, what I've seen, you know, this is anecdotal, but what I've seen with the people that are really hung up on ego death and they're like, I got to kill my ego in the waking life. It puts people into a very strange state. It puts people into sort of at least what I've seen. Again, this is just my experience. What I've seen is that the pe people that operate like that often, not always, but often, put themselves up on a spiritual pedestal a little bit and they start projecting those ideas onto the people around them that if if these muggle people around me aren't killing off their ego, they're missing it. They're missing the game. They're, they're, they're not on point if they're not on board with the death of the ego. And that's a slippery slope. Because that's, you know, you're, you're bridging into the cult mindset. You're bridging into the mindset that sometimes comes with diehard vegans. You know, if you're eating animals, you are a horrific piece of shit. And you don't deserve to breathe because you're taking life. Even though the soil is made of, you know, a plethora of decaying animals and bugs and whatnot. It doesn't make sense, but people will operate like that. Or religion 
you can get people can get so fundamentalist, you know, Christian about something and think that if you're not accepting Jesus Christ into your heart, you are going to hell without question. It's the same kind of thing. It's this thing where you start, it starts to really polarize and actually separate what I think is like yin yang polarities. When you get into the position where you're like, this is the way it is, everyone should be trying to kill off their ego. What I've seen is those people, again, it's there's sort of a super, superiority complex that comes with that. And they, they are often, I'd say on the preachier side, and they're, they're much more apt to point the finger and say that you're doing it wrong. And, and we'll point out that if you're doing things in life, like, you know, watching a football game with your buddies and drinking beer, that you're just feeding the ego and falling into it. Maybe, maybe not. Hard to say, right? We're not inside of everyone. We're only inside of ourselves. And we can only really speak to our experience and our, you know, personal dynamics. And what I can tell you is that, you know, the ego is useful for me, highly useful. It, it's served me well many times in my life and has it bitten me in the ass? A hundred percent. But I think that's true with every aspect of ourselves. Everything inside of us is a tool. You know, the way I always um, anthropomorphize things and I try to think of things in personalities. When I've talked about psychedelics, I've done a podcast on that where I talked about psychedelic plants as personalities. You know, the id, the ego, the superego, you know, all the psychology references, all of that stuff, I, I think of those things as personalities too. Those are personalities within us and and they are dynamics within us and there are things that they are good at. There are there are things, you know, in our constitutional essence, in our vital energy and in our consciousness that are fantastic and they also can't fulfill the needs of each strata, of each level. They interconnect, but they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's true of people, personalities, bodies. I think it's true of everything in life, organisms of any kind. We have strengths and we have weaknesses. And the game is knowing how and when to use the tools we have and when to engage them at the appropriate junctures in life, in experience, in the things we do. And I think that's the piece that gets lost. I think when we get into the state that we have to kill something off, I don't think it's a good move. I just don't think it's sustainable. I have not seen it be successful. I have yet to meet someone that um, is living that dogma that um, that feels good to me, you know? And, and again, this is all opinion, you guys. So, you know, you can take this or leave this, that's okay. Um, but I think I haven't seen it work. It hasn't worked. And, and, you know, the litmus test for me has always sort of been, you know, could I sit down and have a beer with this person? Could I sit down and shoot the shit with them and just talk about everyday life? Can we sit down and just have a conversation where you're not educating me I'm not educating you, unless we ask, right? We, unless we ask that from one another and we, we are picking each other's brains intentionally. But we just talk about how things are. You know, what, what you would call small talk. Can you do a little bit of small talk and share space with, these, with people? And the people that are on the ego death train, boy, not a fun person to have a beer with, you know? Because that beer is obviously feeding into the lower vibrational, you know, aspect of you. And like I've always said, you know, you know, lowering my, my my vibration sometimes is great. I really enjoy it sometimes. And other times I like upping it. But I think, again, it's the dance between these polarities and these spectrums. So I think it's something to consider when we're looking at um, at this larger topic. I, I don't think we need to... We, we need to 
be so diehard about it. And I think that's the other piece that yin-yang theory sort of stipulates as well is the nature of extremes, right? Extremes happen and they happen naturally, but they should be temporal. They should come and go. And what we see with extremes is that extremes in short doses, when they're temporal and short-lived, are fantastic for us. This is the nature of hyperthermic training. So for all those that maybe have researched Wim Hof or, or know a little bit about hyperthermic training or you follow Dr. Rhonda Patrick or you listen to Joe Rogan or you listen to some of my stuff because I'm parroting what's happening in the culture right now too and I see effect with it around this topic and, and, and that's it. When we look at this and, and we, we look at... There's a lot going through my head so I'm just trying to figure out how to put this to words. When we look at hyperthermic training and we look at what it does to our bodies, we are touching an extreme. We're going into a very hot temperature that ultimately, if we were to stay in it, would kill us 100%. Nobody can stay in a 175 degree to a 200 degree room for an evening. You can't stay there overnight. Your body will overheat. You will die 100%. Same thing is true with the hyperthermic training on the cold spectrum. Guys you know, like Wim Hof doing the, the, the ice training, jumping into ice water. Short-lived, amazing benefits because your body has to adapt to the stress, but it comes and goes. If we were to stay in that ice tub overnight, hypothermia, you die. I think this idea and this train of thought is sort of the way we want to think about the ego death concept. You, you, you want to have short temporal stressors, right? And I think having your ego die, actually die, and, I, and I'm speaking specifically now in the context of psychedelics, when the ego actually dies and you lose connection with it for just even a few minutes, that is terrifying for most people. Sometimes it's liberating. Sometimes it's there's total elation and bliss when that happens because it's such a load off because their ego is in high drive um, in their life. And I think that's sort of the way, like with hyperthermic training, right? It's the short doses. It's, it's the short touching of the extreme. And I think your ego dying, I think, is an extreme. I think it was built into us for a reason, like most things. Most things that are a part of us, you know, we have, we have digits and an opposable thumb for a reason. Evolution has put us to a place for a reason. And the ego is a part of that. So short disconnection, right? You know, the, the, a controlled extreme where you lose connection with it for a period of time. That changes the viewpoint. That gets you into perspective. But I also think, and my hope is for people that are embarking on the psychedelic journey or pursuing other methods, is that you can see value in your ego. Because I think what that also primes you to do at the mental level, the emotional level, and the spiritual level is to look at yourself and say, you know what? The parts of me that are imperfect still need to be integrated and ultimately loved. I mean, it's a pretty simple truth. If we don't integrate and accept the shortcomings, if we don't integrate uh, the shadow, as you know, Carl Jung would talk about, if we don't integrate the shadow, if you don't look into the darkness and fully embody that you're capable of some pretty horrible things, emotionally, physically, if you can't integrate that darkness and accept that, hugely problematic, very dangerous, actually. And if you guys uh, listen to Jordan Peterson and any of his talks, he's a Jungian psychologist. And if you listen to his his, all of his lectures are free on YouTube and there's his biblical lectures and he talks about it more from this the symbolic and the mythology of what what's really it's what it's speaking to about the human condition he touches on these themes something fierce way better than I could ever uh, go into but 
I, I think these are the ideas that we need to think about if we're going to be looking at this idea of ego death. Don't just get onto the train that, you know, um, because you hear it in a spiritual circle or you read it in a book or you or you hear the buzzword phrase tossed around in psychedelic circles, that this is a great thing. I, I don't think people should necessarily, you know, want their ego to die off completely. That's really what this boils down to. You know, this is sort of a long-winded way to say it, but I think it's also a nuanced topic. And it's good to talk about it from a couple different angles. It's good to think about this stuff um, from that way so that you don't get just pitfalled like, yeah, ego death is great. And that's what we all need. It's like, be, be careful, you know. Um, enter those waters cautiously. Be mindful going into that. And are you sure? Are you sure you want to lose your ego? completely. I have sat in psychedelic journeys with friends who were on the precipice of ego death, where they started to dissociate, they started to feel their ego dissolve, and it derailed the trip. They did everything in their power um, to, to bring themselves back. And, and you know, at that specific time, you know, a good dear friend of mine who I love very much was like, hey man, can I come sit next to you because I think that's happening right now. And I said, yeah, of course, come on over, man. <laughs> let's spoon up. <laughs> we didn't actually spoon. But, you know, I said, yeah, like, let's, 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 it's okay. And it was, it was terrifying for, for him. And um, I really felt him. And I thought, geez, you know, that's, I, I haven't been there. And I can, I can say honestly, in um, the psychedelic context, in the psychedelic world, I have not, I have not experienced ego death. And I've, um, I've attempted with, with mushrooms, you know, my, in 2018, when I sat with mushrooms 10 times in the course of a year, you know, towards my last, I, I don't know, my second to last or third to last journey, maybe number seven or eight, I spent time um, prepping and getting ready for a higher dose journey. And so for, for those of you who are familiar with the, you know, the psychedelic, um, terminology, the psychedelic, you know, lexicon and everything. Terrence McKenna used to say that, you know, at the five gram mark is where you're taking the heroic journey, where you're really entering into mushroom land full tilt and ego death is likely with, with five grams. And um, because of my size and my constitution and how I've responded to um, psilocybin in the past, I sat with seven grams to make sure that I could really get into that, that space. And it just didn't happen. It, and, you know, at the time, it was very frustrating for me. It didn't happen at all. And I actually felt like there was something wrong with me. But um, when I sat with that, um, with the seven gram, you know, that was a, that was, it felt like an acceleration of everything. My mind felt sharper, faster. I was up doing Tai Chi for a good hour or two of that journey. I was very for lack of a better term, activated. It, it was very stimulating and it really threw me for a loop because <laughs> my friend at the time who had done a, <laughs> a similar dose was, you know, essentially face down in the grass mumbling. And I'm, I hope you guys can really hear this. You know, if you guys don't know me personally, I'm not tooting my horn like, oh, I'm just, you know, some big swinging dick because I, I you know, ate seven grams of mushrooms. I'm not wearing that like a, like a badge of honor or superiority or some kind of alpha male bullshit. I'm just being honest, you know, seven grams, I was pretty sure should put me into that dimension and it really didn't. And, um, and that was very troubling at the time. I thought, God, what, what do I have to do? Do I have to eat, in and out, you know, 14 grams of, you know, mushrooms to, to get there. And, um, 
you know, over time, what I realized, and this kind of ties back into this this collective theme, okay, with with the ego death thing, which was, it's about listening, it's about the subtlety, and it wasn't about doing more mushrooms, it's about how well am I listening to my experience and the process as I'm going through it. How well can I open myself up and become emotionally receptive and mentally receptive to what I'm going through? And that's, I think, really important because I think when we look at this ego death issue and we're looking at people who are jumping on this bandwagon and really you know, pushing that and going down that road, I think what you need to remember is it's not about killing off your ego necessarily. It's about the nuanced sensitivity to being aware of when the ego rears its ugly head when it comes up at the really inopportune, shitty moment or shitty time. And then peeling back and taking observation of that, looking at it, right? Having that, having that moment of like, whoa, that was a very egoic bullshit move. I said something really crummy that I shouldn't have. Or I'm responding and just reacting emotionally and, vol and you know, in a volatile way to a situation. And I think that's, it's more about listening. You know, it's not about killing off and I think that's the, the thing that I kind of learned, you know, when I was in the, that psychedelic world was it's more about the listening. And I think that's the idea. I think when we when we go in, I think we should listen to our ego. I think it's a great teacher in a lot of ways because it um, it's a, it's often a, a bitter pill to swallow to see your ego rear up. It's very ugly. It's not not pretty most of the time. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it can be really funny and you can, you know, be be, uh, you know, joking with friends and it's it's light and it's cool. And other times it can be really shitty. But again, um, how well are we listening to the subtleties of when these things come up? Do we even have the baseline awareness to tune into the ego rearing its head and showing itself and can we learn from it? So I think it's more about listening and sensitivity than it is about killing things off. I don't think killing off anything in life is usually is great. I think I think that's a that's a death cycle and that's not really what we're aligned with. Human beings are a living creature. The nature of life is about living. You know, life is for the living. And I think the more we can keep the pieces of ourselves alive and integrated, the better off we are. So those are my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think. If you guys have questions, hit me up, please, regarding anything in this realm, Chinese medicine, uh, health, wellness, you know, happy to share my thoughts. And I'm only one guy. I totally get that. Um, you know, I, <laughs> when I do these podcasts, I'm always kind of like, what the hell do people care what I think anyway? You know, like, it's a legitimate question. I don't even know. You know, I, I, it's a question I can't answer. Um, but that's it. I do have a podcast. I'm here. I'm recording shit and putting th things out every week. So um, I think about these things. I have a rangy mind. <laughs> so you guys are doing me a favor too, you know. Part of how I process life is just being asked good questions. I've always been like that. So if you guys have them and you are, um, you know, wanting to hear my thoughts, I'm happy to share them. So thanks a bunch, you guys. Take care of yourselves. Bye.